I'm Cindy Boxer, and you are listening to the Fiber Artist Podcast, where we chat with artists, makers, and creatives who work with fiber, get to know their stories, how they came upon their fiber practice, and more about the person behind the work. On today's episode, I chat with Mandy Smethels, whom you may recognize as Mandy Smooth Hills. Mandy's colorful weavings and fiber rainbows are taking Insta by storm, and I swear she started a whole rainbow movement. Honestly, next year's Pantone color of the year should just be rainbows, because I am seeing them everywhere I turn, in large part thanks to Mandy. Mandy's work has been featured on Curbed, Oh Joy, and Apartment Therapy. She regularly teaches weaving workshops in Minneapolis, and you can find her on Instagram at Mandy Smooth Hills and online at mandysmethels.com. Okay, here's the episode. Hi, Mandy. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's so nice to have you. Thanks, Cindy. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Um, so I guess just let's start with the basics. Where are you from and where are you now? Where, where, uh, where are you sitting at this moment? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in southeastern Minnesota, and I still live in Minnesota. I live in St. Paul, Minnesota, Okay. and I live and work out of my home. So I'm sitting in my small, lower-level studio space. Um, fortunately, the work that I do doesn't require a lot of space, so I have about a 10 by 10 room that I store all my yarn and do all my work in. Oh, wow. You do it all from there. That's so amazing. Yeah. I've seen so many pictures, actually. Well, a few pictures, I guess. And um, it's funny. It looks like so light-filled and bright and wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's one window, and it just happens to get really great light throughout the day. And I do sometimes travel. I have a tote bin that I'll bring stuff up to the living room. Like in the evenings, um, yeah. I have two daughters, and I just want to be closer to them if they were to wake up. So um, I sometimes float around the house, too. Nice. Um, and so how many daughters did you say? I have two, one that's one and one that's six. Oh, you have a really little one. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Um, so uh, so let's go way back to like sure. childhood and tell me how you um, sort of how were you raised like uh, in terms of your creativity? Were you very creative as a, as a child? And then take me all the way back to all the way up to um, how you found fiber art and uh, sure. became Mandy Smethels that you are today. Yeah. Well, I have really vivid memories of loving to draw even before I was in kindergarten and kind of knowing that I was pretty good at it um, compared to other children the same age. And I have an identical twin sister and she was the same way. So we really loved to create. And in the highlights section, there was uh, the highlights magazine rather. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And do a section, and as soon as we get a new one, I go look to see what craft I can make and make my own. Uh, my dad is a talented artist. He's a woodworker and oh, creates cool. beautiful furniture. So I grew up watching him have um, that be a really important part of his life was his creativity and um, making things. Um, and I also had a strong passion for nature. I love being outside. Um, I even loved things that were kind of weird, like insects and. Um, just I was trying to find uh, things that were less common for people to be interested in. And um, yeah, spent a lot of time at the library um, researching nature and then doing lots of drawings inspired by that. And it wasn't until I was already in college that I realized I wanted to pursue art as possibly a career. I hadn't thought about it in high school. I originally went to college um, 
as a landscape architecture major. Oh, cool. Yeah, but that didn't last very long because I started to realize it wasn't going to be as creative as I thought. Right. And There's a lot of engineering and things that go into that, actually. Yeah, and formulas. And um, it's not all, you know, I built gardens growing up and it's it's just not quite as creative as um, I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So I started taking some art classes and decided that's what I wanted to do. I had such a passion for it. And uh, I got my degree in art, but my emphasis was in printmaking. I never took oh, any fiber cool. arts classes. Um, a lot of my work was very illustrative, lots of nature themes, fish and insects. And um, I hadn't even knit. <laughs> I always thought yarn was pretty. Um, tried knitting a few times, um, but lost interest quickly when I couldn't easily master it. And mm-hmm. Knitting is tough. It is tough. There's so much counting and you have to really pay attention to what you're doing. You do. And you'd have to do it for so long before you could really start reinventing the wheel, Mm -hmm. um, so to speak. And I really like just going my own way. Um, So I uh, continued on with printmaking and drawing. And then eventually, um, as life got busier and a full-time job, and my first daughter was born. Uh, I really just picked up the skill of photography as a way mm-hmm. to be creative, taking pictures of my daughter and family and friends. And it was easy to fit into um, that hectic lifestyle at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we were living in Michigan. Um, you for, were. I'm from Michigan. Yeah. 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 In Mount Pleasant, my husband went to graduate school there. Oh, wow. So we were there for... Um, quite a long time from 2006 until uh, 2013. Okay. And then when I moved back to Minnesota, where I live now in St. Paul, um, I started working for a company room and board as a design associate in one of their showrooms. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it was really a creative work for me and very inspiring. I was helping people pick out uh, colorful uh, furniture, pillows, patterns, textures, and it was very inspiring work. And I wanted to go home and do something with that. Yeah. Wasn't quite sure where to take it. And about a year into working there, um, my twin sister was showing me pictures of fiber arts in interior spaces because I oh, love. Cool. Design. And I was really intrigued. They were funky and weird, and I always kind of like things that are a little on the edge, you know, a little weird, make you feel a little uncomfortable, but you like it. Yes. And you don't and, even know why you're just like, yeah, oh. you don't know why, but it's, so it's just new and interesting. And it's not the thing you see every day. And so I thought I would try to make her a weaving as a present. Um, I looked up some videos online and made a loom with board and nails. Awesome. I thrifted some yarn and I made my first weaving. And it's hard to describe but that night when I made that weaving, I could tell that it was going to be something that was going to be really important to me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had finally found a medium that felt boundless to me. And I made seven weavings in seven days. Wow. I was kind of yeah. Wow. I thought I was addicted when I first started. That is crazy. <laughs> That's like hardcore. It was crazy. I was uh, staying up late. And then during the day, just thinking about what I was going to weave at night and what colors I wanted to work with. And, um, in the beginning, I also felt this patience with the craft too, that I was just so excited about it, that I wasn't in a rush to learn everything. Mm -hmm. And I, there was so much to learn and that really excited me too. It's kind of like when you start binge watching a show and you realize there's 300 episodes, Yeah, I've got so much to look forward to. 
And so I kind of enjoyed that journey of learning how to weave uh, myself, um, mm-hmm. self-taught. Um, There's lots of resources online. I bought up every vintage weaving book I could find. And it was um, really fun to share that on social media too, because at that time, um, this was about four years ago, there weren't that many people weaving, mm-hmm. at least weaving and sharing on Instagram. Yes. So there was a little community forming um, and you could see what other people were doing. And um, it, that kind of kept the momentum going for me um, to have an avenue to share your yeah. work. I think I think you might have been one of the first weavers I started following in, on Instagram around that time. Um, yep. And I just remember thinking that your work was so – it was like – it had such a nice structure to it and also a really – just your your color palettes are always so beautiful. And um, yeah, no, I – just like – and I think I remember just like – you know, when I'm scrolling through Instagram in those early days and just mm-hmm. looking at all the weavers, there was just something really special that came through about yours. And I don't know, did you have that? Do you feel like you found your footing really early or do you uh, feel like you really had to experiment to get there? I um, do feel like I found my footing really early or at least, um, you know, the, in the beginning, the style that I, I would stick in for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, if I even look back at the the pictures of, um, you know, my Google photos or something, um, from like the first to the 10th weaving, I can see like that I was really getting a handle of the skills. And that's why I get so excited to teach weaving too, Mm -hmm. is that I feel like it's something that you can pick up and start creating finished pieces so early on. And that's satisfying, um, when you were looking for a hobby or a craft, that's not going to take you years to feel comfortable with definitely there are years you can continue to build on those skills so um it's probably because I spent so much time weaving to be honest with you like when you think seven weavings in seven days Mm -hmm. I was putting in the time yeah 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 I was finding it at night after my daughter went to bed I was staying up late and um you know when you're just really excited about something it's hard to stop yeah how old was, was your daughter at the time um so she would have been about two and a half Okay. Yeah. So you had just had the the one at the time, and then. Yep. Um, so were you still working at Room and Board? I was. Yep. I've been. I was working up in, at Room and Board until um, the beginning of this year. <gasps> really? Oh my yeah. gosh! I really I thought for this um, at least for the past couple of years that this was yeah. uh, your full time. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, it was. Uh, I was just a very busy, and still I'm really busy. Yeah. I thought it would ease up, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Somehow it just. You, you find projects and things just fill the space, right? Fill the space. Yeah. You're never sitting around like, what am I going to do today? <laughs> that was a list. And what am I going to pick to do today? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was uh, definitely required me to have less sleep than maybe the average person, but it didn't feel like a sacrifice because I loved it so much. And um, I've really found a way to balance. There were times like when I was pregnant with my second daughter that I stepped away and allowed myself permission you know, not to force something that wasn't feeling right at the time. Right. And so I did take kind of a sabbatical where I was doing very little work during um, where I wasn't feeling that great mm-hmm. for about six months. And then uh, once she was born and she was, I don't even think she was that old. She was maybe a week old and she was napping, you know, the newborn babies sleep so much and I got my loom out and so. If you're lucky, if you're lucky right. that your newborn <laughs> sleeps a lot. <laughs> They sleep, and but sometimes it needs to be in your arms. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I made a small weaving. I, I told myself I would just do something that was very small, 
And it felt like healing to me. It felt so good and so right. And especially after so many months of stopping, I just knew that, that it's just such an important part of my life to create. Mm -hmm. And, um, I accepted that that balance for me to be a good mom and a good wife is to find that time for myself to, to heal and relax. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you, Cause you find yourself in your own identity with, true. with that work, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so what, when, when you were working both, when you were still at room and board and also, um, doing smooth hills weaving, which it was called yeah. at the time, yep. um, what, what did your hours look like? So you were there from yeah. how, what nine to five, nine to seven, or something, and yeah. then retail jobs. So sometimes they would vary and be later in the day or earlier in the day. But I always was working on any um, fiber art stuff at night. Mm-hmm. So after my daughter went to bed, you know, around eight o'clock, then I was working sometimes till one a.m. You know, getting in the hours. And then on the weekends, depending on our schedule for the day, I might be able to eke out a few hours in the morning. Um, and it was really just finding the time when it worked, yeah. but not sacrificing the balance for my family. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it just really was. I was probably working eventually about 60 hours a week if you included my full-time job. And and that's eventually why I decided to to step back from a retail career mm-hmm. as this business was growing, it wasn't even necessary. And just to focus my time on, um, art making daytime hours and try to find some better balance. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. when you were on that cusp of quitting yeah. and deciding what to do and where to take, um, your business, how, mm-hmm. how did you finally decide like now is the time because yeah. I have a f- I feel like you were probably there for a good two years where you could have yeah um like you know maybe financially left or right uh you know but so what was it finally that made you just feel like this is it and I'm ready now it was a combination of of not being able to take on orders having to periodically close my shop um, because I didn't want things to get out of control. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it was a big part of that financial aspect too, as in combination with you know, discussions with my husband. We, um, he's a scientist, he's actually a psychological scientist, but very into data mm-hmm. and um, loves looking at the numbers. And mine, mine loves that too. And I'm always like, oh, God, I'm so please. relieved. <laughs> yeah, it's not my thing, but he um, is very pragmatic. And once I knew that he was really supportive and encouraging me to do it, mm-hmm. I really, I think I needed a second party to tell me that you can do this. Um, you know, I do recall being in college as an art student and having my mentor say, Mandy, you can make a, a career out of being an artist. Um, she seemed to know that you need to hear that because mm-hmm. uh, society doesn't always think you can. No, it doesn't. Nor, <laughs> nor your parents. I don't know about your parents, but my yeah. parents did not make me feel like I could do that. Yeah. I think when I changed degrees, there was a lot of hesitation, you know, to an art degree, mm-hmm. yeah, but it did take me a long time to, to get here and a lot of work. Uh, when I think about how many hours I put into um, this, um, what I do, um, it hasn't come easy. It's, right. you know, a lot of hard work, many, many, many hours. Um, but then once things were just getting a little too out of control and laundry wasn't getting put away, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like you keep maintain the basic 
um, parts of your life, right. I knew that I had to make a change. And it was really exciting. It felt too good to be true. So sometimes those things doesn't seem like you should do it because it's it's too good. Right. Like you're just kind of waiting for the floor to fall out under you. Yeah. Like what? Like how, how is it possible that I can make this work? Because it's so, right. so something maybe, I don't know about you, but I, I would have never thought that I could do a, right. something creative and make a living and, you know, mm-hmm. make it something real. Um, I I totally felt that way. It it didn't feel like it could be real. I think it's also like being from the Midwest, you know, I was um, talking to Megan Schimek also, and we're both from the same town. And like, it was like, we never grew up seeing people make careers out of creative, you know, in in creative industries, not even practical ones. Like, you you know, people come to New York for fashion design or something, Mm -hmm. you can still be creative, but we didn't see any of that. You know, we didn't have these role models who were in these creative industries that, that did this really, you know, this, uh, this had viable creative work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to make that, uh, transition and scary at first, but sometimes you just like feel like you have faith in yourself, right? That you can do it. Yeah. And I, I definitely had doubt and there were moments where I thought, Oh my goodness, what am I doing? Um, and then people were so supportive, you know, when I announced that I was, a lot of people didn't know like you, that I had a full-time job. Yeah. I'm just very prolific. And, um, but then there would be a lot of like good lucks or, um, <laughs> oh, you're brave. And I was like, Whoa! <laughs> I know they were trying to be encouraging, but then that scared me more because I felt so confident in myself that I was going to make it work. I'm such a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And that's what I figured is to succeed. You have to be passionate and determined and put in the time. Yeah. And really, since I think that was uh, it was mid February, and the days and the weeks just slip by. I'm just always constantly working and busy, and yeah, it's it's gone really well. Yeah, no, that's just so recent to me. I mean, it's crazy to me that it's that you only um, started going full time in February. So, yeah. uh, I mean, because in my mind, I feel like for the last couple of years, um, I mean. I feel like you're such a good marketer and you've really put your work out there. Yeah. What, um, when you were at Room and Board, just for the last couple of years, how have you been marketing yourself and what has worked the best for you? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, there was a period of time and it was after my daughter um, was born, um, my second daughter, mm-hmm. rather, that I stopped selling my work. For the most part, I stopped listing it for sale on my Etsy shop. And I really just wanted to focus. I, I felt like I had, was using up a lot of um, the ideas that I had for weaving. And I was starting to feel um, a little locked in by that medium. Mm-hmm. And I'd always been so illustrative in my drawings. And I'd been working abstract and in color. And I hadn't done much color in my printmaking. It was very black and white. And so it felt like this uh, several years of exploring these different maze of art making that I wasn't that experienced in. But then I was getting kind of to the end of that. And I wanted to work more illustrative again. I was feeling a little frustrated um, with that personally. So um, I just decided to focus on my um, work and less on selling work Mm -hmm. and still sharing on Instagram because I love the community of makers and it's just like a little cheering squad to like keep going, keep making. And then I figured if someone wants to buy something, they can message me privately. And that did happen. Um, But then when I was starting to really find my rhythm with what I'm currently doing, 
uh, I did tell myself, like, if you're going to do this, uh, you really need to try to sell something. Yeah. 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 And so then I made a deal with myself that I'm not going to post anything on Instagram that's available unless I put it in my Etsy shop first. And that was a game changer for me. Um, because I did realize people do want to buy my things, but yeah. they buy it when they see it. And they don't necessarily, like, I wouldn't contact someone if they posted something and it wasn't for sale and say, can I buy this? Right. You have to really make it easy for them to find you and to yeah. and to purchase and to purchase immediately. Right. Because right. especially with Instagram, it just moves so fast yes. that you can literally open it, see a piece you love it, and suddenly it's gone. It's, you yeah. know, like it's gone from your feed. <laughs> it is gone. I've had that happen times where something pops up and it's like eye candy, and then I, I didn't even see who posted it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, once I started doing that, I realized I really liked working with customers. So I'd spent all this time in retail sales. I, I mean, that's what I did right out of college, mm-hmm. um, necessity when my husband was going to graduate school. And I I always like working with people um, and I get to do that a lot with the work I do now. I do so much custom work, which I've always done with fiber art, but there's a lot of communication that happens with customers. And I like to think that uh, that's as important part of the process as someone getting the piece. They want it to be special. Mm -hmm. and The whole transaction. Yeah. 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 And I really liked, I really liked that end of it too, the business end of it. Um, once I felt really confident in the work I was doing mm-hmm. and I was keep changing. Um, yeah. And since I've really focused on both ends now of yeah. uh, trying to make it easier, I'm always working on trying to make it easier for people to shop and find what they're looking for. If it's not what I have in the shop right now, mm-hmm. um, but then also expanding options, um, for, you know, beyond wall hanging. So you probably know, like I do um, some jewelry, um, you know, just finding ways to incorporate fiber art to other aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. It's exciting for me too. And something that's been in the back of my mind for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when you were doing, uh, when you were doing mostly wall hangings, uh, mm-hmm. the traditional kind of loom wall hangings, yeah. not the one, not the um, sort of rainbow swirl ones. But uh, when you were doing those, would you say most of your, um, I guess, did were most of the ones that you sold, were they already made and then you would post them? Or would you do mostly commissioned work where you kind probably, of already knew there was a customer on the yeah. end? It was probably mostly commissioned work. Okay. And um, that that was part of the thing that was starting to get, honestly, a little frustrating is weavings take so much time. So I'd be putting this time into things that really filled me up, you know, creating mm-hmm. something all from my idea. Um but then I would be recreating it in a different color. And they were so, they were just really so time intense. Like to make creating a weaving would take um, many, many hours. And um, then I would have pieces that would sit in my shop for a long time. And then I would be doing custom versions right. of those. So I felt like I was making samples. Um, when it feels really satisfying just to make something from your own mind and have someone buy it. Uh, I like doing custom work, but I wasn't so much selling the pieces that I were making that were truly my vision. It was kind of a mix Mm -hmm. of um, customers' visions and the designs I was making. So it was, yeah, it took up more of my time and I wasn't selling some of the work that really meant the most to me. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's an interesting way to think about it though as far as – as far as being able to sell the work, to, to consider them kind of as samples, yeah, as something that you just have up in your Etsy or wherever you're selling, yeah. and 
and understand and just have it as like a visual thing for people to look at and reference to talk about your custom work. So just a tip if you're out there starting (laughs) and you, and you want to figure out how to, how to sell your work, this is maybe a good way is make a bunch of samples. They may not, it may not be the most fulfilling feeling that, cause they're not moving, but you know, it's a good way to help the customer visualize what they're going to want. What designs you can do and what techniques you have. Um, And that's what I've always noticed about customers that are buying art from Etsy or online is they're very savvy. Mm -hmm. And I, I, people will pick up pictures that on my Instagram from like a year before, like they're really like curating the images that inspire them, which is really helpful for me. Like the more specific examples they can get of color or style, um, that makes it easier. So um, people are really savvy with, yeah, the more visual content you have, mm-hmm. uh, it's going be for them to create their vision. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, so bef- I'm, uh, I'm kind of going, I'm trying to go in like chronological order. So sure. w- before you started doing the, uh, the rainbow pieces that you're doing mm-hmm. now, um, I noticed that you have incorporated lots of different kinds of materials, like you did yeah. leather and um, how, d- how did those ideas kind of come to you? Have you uh, always kind of been into all different uh, sort of textile and tactile yeah. items? You know, it was probably that natural progression of feeling very comfortable in the weaving skills that I used in my pieces and then trying to always find ways to expand mm-hmm. and probably a signal that weaving was starting to get a little limiting for me where I really wanted to create something new um, in the time from when I started creating more of these uh, assembled pieces with leather or wood um, or other materials, there have been an explosion in the interest in weaving. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to continue to set myself apart and create something new and interesting and add to the dialogue. And um, nothing was out of bounds for me as far as materials. And since I worked in a, um, a furniture store, I was surrounded by interesting materials like velvet and leather and we happened to have um, one year a a bunch of leather samples that we were discontinuing and discarding. And I, they were just really beautiful full-grain leather samples. And I thought, I need to try to find a way to work with these. And then I created a few pieces, but it was very limited supply. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I started experimenting with other materials um, like canvas and, and velvets and, and things that could create like this layered textural look that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And then even eventually um, towards the end of my pregnancy with my second daughter, um, I did a small show in Milwaukee and I really wanted to create pieces with this look, um, but I didn't have any leather. And in fact, it was my husband, we were driving and I was just trying to think of, you know, I'd walk around thrift stores and look for materials and he suggested coats from thrift stores. Oh, good and, idea. Yeah. And so I did that. I went and found some um, leather jackets that were of style, um, you know, beautifully worn in. And I just cut those up and reused it. And that process of creating that collection for that show after kind of a difficult pregnancy, it was towards the end, um, reawakened my creativity where I I just realized nothing is off limits. I'm not limited to, you know, what supplies I can buy through a craft supplier. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to keep my eyes open all the time um, to what might be a material I would use. Yeah, totally. That's the coolest part about weaving is that you can like literally weave with 
anything. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I've cut up clothes and, um, yeah, walk. I mean, I've, I've woven with natural materials just for temporary weavings. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just really is anything that can go through a weft is, is, or you be attached to it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot more stuff out there right now where people are attaching things that you wouldn't have thought normally or are using yeah. just different techniques. Um, yeah, it's been really cool seeing it, seeing the, the, uh, just seeing weaving grow in the last few years. Yeah. I, and I do think that a lot of people have the same thought that I did of how can I add to this conversation and be unique and find my own voice. Mm-hmm. And um, that really does you require you to push the limits of materials um, and try new things and experiment. Yeah. Uh, do you ever, are you ever working on anything and you're just like, this is, this is crap. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause all your stuff looks like success to me because I'm looking at it on Instagram. So. You know, I, I, I do have like pieces that stand out immediately in my mind. And it was in those moments that um, weaving was starting to get to, I mean, I still love weaving and I pick up my loom and I feel that same feeling and I really don't weave too much anymore. Um, but I was weaving a lot. Yeah. And there would be times where it really did feel forced or I was working on a commission where maybe the colors were not in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely feel, you know, I, I, I work with the rainbow, but there are colors in the rainbow that I don't work with. Right. And there were some of those um, colors that just weren't, me and that um made me realize how important color was to me to keep me inspired in the work and and it would show you know at the end of the piece was not beautiful to me um yeah I really had to be passionate about it through the process so yeah I definitely have had failures and it's inevitable it is experimenting yeah totally yeah. Um, so how did you then make your um, sort of just tra- sort of transition from the traditional weavings to now uh, the rainbow pieces? Sure. So did you have like an aha moment? Or it was an you- aha moment. It was um, not even that long ago. You know, it was um, at the end of the summer last year. And I was uh, there was like a few pieces where I, I was getting to um, where I really want to be sculptural and didn't have the weavings be really thick and like chunky. And I was doing these sumacs and um, I did some tassels like within it. And then I added some wrapped pieces and I really liked the look of the wrapped pieces on the weaving and just the wrap pieces themselves. And so I made a few pieces where I do this wrap section and then I'd weave a background for it. Mm-hmm. When I was weaving the background, I was really bored. I was looking for like the chunkiest material that I could just get it over with. Right. And Complete made, it the fastest. Yes. Cause I really didn't. And that, that was new to me. Like usually I don't have parts where I'm just feel like I'm dialing it in mm-hmm. and I was, but I really like these wrapped pieces. And then I made the wrap pieces for one and was getting prepared to weave up a background for it. And then I held it up and I just thought, why does this have to be on a background? It's just a cool object of fiber art. And I hung it on a wall and I put it on Instagram like a new thing. And I really liked it. And then it turns out people really liked it. I mean, yeah. they have messages of, can I buy this? Or can you make it in other colors? And that's really from then on, I just kept doing that for the most part with some weavings here and there for custom work um, still, but I don't really even have time to weave so much. I'm so busy. 
um, with I love that. that. I feel like I could see – I did some stalking of your Instagram, Instagram today <laughs> in preparation for this call. Yeah. But you can see, right, like there's like a maybe three posts where it was yeah. like the – the, the, like three posts with the wrapped piece on a weaving mm-hmm. and then it was like done. And you were like, yeah. boom, here's what yep. I'm doing now. And then from that point on to now, it's like rainbow, rainbow, rainbow. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful to see, actually. Yeah. Well, if you were to look back on my Instagram page, it's it's funny how sometimes you know something, but you don't admit it to yourself. Is I done a number of rainbow weavings and like I did a series of rainbow pieces of like a design I really loved. I did it in every color of the rainbow. Probably about three years, two and a half years ago. But it... I don't know why, but I felt kind of guilty or indulgent for doing that rainbow thing. I don't know why, but I would only allow myself to do it every once in a while. But I loved when all the colors came together. Like as I'm working on the pieces, I like them individually. But when I put them together, I loved it. I was like obsessed. Uh, But then I move on and I did like one big piece that was like every color of yarn that I had in a weaving, very organic. And I loved that too. but I only allowed myself to do it periodically. So it's so funny when I look back is that I've always loved working in rainbow colors. Like it really excites me. It excited me so much that I felt like it was overplayed or something. I don't know what it was, but um, I didn't allow myself to just indulge in that. Mm -hmm. And it's maybe okay that I didn't because I got really um, comfortable working with different color palettes and not just that one combination of colors but right well I don't know yeah. I feel like you have a very natural uh I don't know if it's you have a really good eye for color so even with when you're working with a limited color palette I feel like mm-hmm. you've always had a way of putting them together um that they're somewhat unexpected even but they just kind of work I don't know did you like develop a color theory or did you, is that from school do you think or um, thank you or is it um, instinct I mean what is that yeah it must be and maybe just because I've worked in such high volume on pieces and lots of trial and error and I spend a lot of time before starting a piece you know pulling yarns together and looking at the colors and it, it then it is just instinct I just know if I like it or if I don't mm-hmm. Um, and it's so interesting because I never thought color was my strength. Being a printmaker, I work primarily in black and white, right. maybe with some injection of color, but not a lot. Um, you know, with painting, I worked in some color, but I'd always kind of try to make it more muted um, because I wasn't that confident in it. Like watercolor is more washed out. Right. Um, but with yarn, it's so saturated and like in these jewel tones that I loved, um, I could just go for it instead of with painting where you have to like build it up because like, I worked watercolors a lot. Um, so it's so interesting because I think I even put that out like months and months ago that, um, you know, color isn't my strength or something. And people are like, what are you talking what? about? <laughs> but I still feel like it's something I'm, I'm working on because I see other people, um, you know, I see things that I think I've tried every combination of colors and then I'll see like a room, like a, you know, an interior design. Yeah. And then I'm, whoa, like, and that's where I get a lot of my inspiration for color palettes too is how designers put colors together, like fashion designers too, like Gucci, like patterns and colors. And it just does feel boundless in that way. Yeah, that absolutely. And keep growing and trying new things. Yeah. And, and there's a, I mean, and, and there's a bit of a trend that you can follow along with it too. So that, um, mm-hmm. You know, I, this is definitely not number one. I mean, as an artist, you just yeah. want to create, but it's also good to have s- sellable pieces. So, yeah. um, you know, it 
that's definitely good to take your inspiration from that, um, from yeah. interiors and, and interior trends as well. To Right. And I mean, you do it. see what people are asking for, like yeah. a lot of yellow right now. And mustard. I can't keep, like, yeah. I can't keep mustard in stock with my Yeah, rope. <laughs> I love mustard. Like, I'm obsessed. So what is that? Yeah, it's so pretty. It's like the perfect color. I love it. I know. And like five years ago, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have looked twice right. at mustard. And now it's just grown on me so much. Yeah. It's crazy how that works. So yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. And it, yeah, it looks really good on you too with your hair color. <laughs> oh, awesome. So um, so other than interior design, are there other things that you do to kind of gain inspiration? Um, do you still practice your other art forms um, or is there no time? Yeah. You know, when I have time, like I'm doing a side project right now that's um, uh, it's a personal project that's an illustration um, project for a children's book. Oh, cool. And it's about dragonfly nymphs and their life cycle, which feels um, like it's a perfect project for me because I loved um, that kind of thing growing up. And so then I am doing, you know, watercolor and drawing, and it feels like a really great way to exercise my hand. It sounds so weird because I work with my hands constantly, but when I draw now, sometimes I feel like clubs because they're not used to working that way anymore. Right. Like so fine, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah it's different. I'm not used to that. I'm used to always having absolute control when drawing. Um, and when I realized that was happening, um, that was my New Year's resolution this year was to try to draw every day, even if it's in Procreate, like an app on my phone. Um, I don't want to lose that ability that was so important to me for so long. Right. So I do that kind of as a way to relax at night. Um, it's just to always be doodling or drawing to keep that skill going. Oh, definitely. And I would imagine as you do it, it also brings in new sort of almost like visual inspiration just as you're doing it every day, right? Yeah. And sometimes all I can think to draw are ideas for design. So there's lots of rainbows in my Procreate gallery. (laughs) Cool. Um, So do you have any, I guess, other than drawing daily, do you have any other um, sort of daily habits or routines that help you stay creative or just even for health that you just are are kind of like your non-negotiables in life? Yep. Uh, My husband would attest, I love to go to thrift stores. I don't necessarily buy a lot at thrift stores. Uh, My twin sister's the exact same way. We both, and my mom, it's just something that we love to do. I feel like it's expanding my visual library. So when I go out and I walk around and I'm looking at Think, you, like, you just don't know what you're going to see. I find myself laughing to myself a lot, like weird things or uh, being really intrigued by I love vintage. And that's just something I do once or twice a week. Um, it might just be a quick stop, mm-hmm. but it really helps with my mental health too because you're just shopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I, and I just really love vintage things so much. So it's fun. The possibilities of what you might see, like old toys really inspire me, like 1980s or earlier toys. And, um, you know, textiles too, like you can look through the textile section and find sometimes even old weavings. Yeah, or, totally. yeah so um, that's something that is definitely um, a hobby that relaxes me. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about your teaching and workshops and like how often are you teaching these days? Um, you know, I'm trying to kind of increase that a little bit now that I have more space in my schedule. Um, but I'm probably teaching a class about once a month locally. I'm still doing weaving classes, which I think is such a great introduction to fiber art. Um, for those that want to start something and be creative right away. 
um, which I love about weaving is even on your first weaving, when I'm teaching a class, I can see everyone in the room is doing something unique. And I even get a little bit of sense of who they are as a person. You know, mm-hmm. some are very um, not are already not playing by the rules, which I love. And then others are very precise. And it's just fun to see that. Um, and then locally at the our uh, Minnesota Textile Center, I'm going to be teaching classes this summer um, with more of the macrame sculptural techniques that I use too. Oh, yeah. So I'm um, just finding ways to, to connect with people. I love teaching. Um, when I was in college, I worked at a Boy Scout camp for six years and teaching merit badges. And um, it's just really oh, fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And unexpected. <laughs> oh, no, that's how I met my husband. Actually. Are you serious? That's so yeah. cute. You were both te- you were both like leaders or teachers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did different things there. You know, one year I was um, for several years I worked in their nature center, and then I was the aquatic director, and then I was eventually the program director of the the camp. Um, so it was actually one of the most wonderful experiences of my life was working there. But um, yeah, I got really confident about speaking in front of groups. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you look back at every experience you've had and you see how it's contributed to the person you are today, uh, definitely speaking in front of 400 people every week, got rid of any nerves I had about oh, public wow. speaking. Yeah. It's a lot of people. Of, like nervous sweats talking in front of like 20 people in speech class. So, um, yeah, teaching different um, mirror pages too. I learned how to wing it. <laughs> You know, and then also get people excited and keep them interested uh, when you're when you're teaching. So uh, it was a really uh, foundation uh, for me. Oh, definitely. So when you taught your first workshop, did it? How did it go? Was it just completely smooth? And yeah, it was. It was several years ago. Um, and how did it come to you? Or did you go seek it out? I actually messaged because um, I've been starting to get um, messages from people in Minneapolis, St. Paul area, like, oh, do you teach classes or do you know where I can learn how to do this? Um, because this was several years ago and there were less, I mean, now today there are so many online resources, people teaching wonderful online classes. Um, a lot of that, most of that didn't exist mm-hmm. back then. And then some people just really want to learn in person. So I um, messaged a local creative um I guess a creative workshop called Lab, mm-hmm. and so you offer a weaving class. I think this is something that uh, you could find success in too. There's just so many people asking me about it, and they had already had me tagged to contact. Oh, so nice! Was, yeah, so we met and then discussed it and came up with the class um, and syllabus, and yeah, and put on the schedule, and it's been popular ever since. So oh, awesome. uh, it's just a really great way to get people the tools that they need and have the amount of instruction to get you started. Right. Um, because of my experience of teaching myself how to weave, I'm so confident that, you know, if you just start with the, the basics and you find out if it's something you like or not, totally. you can definitely keep on going. Yeah. yeah. So how do you structure your class? Like, um, do you – do you have like house looms or do you allow people to buy them and take them home or is it included in the class price or how do you do that? Class price. Yeah. So they take them home always. They take them home. Yeah. Um, The class is um, under three hours. Mm -hmm. So 
no one's going to be at the end of their project by the time it's done, but they're going to be making, I, I finished my piece so mm-hmm. that they can see from start to finish. I do a smaller weaving, um, but then they can take home their project that's going. And uh, oftentimes they will, uh, there's a hashtag that goes with the class so they can post their finished piece later. Nice. It's fun seeing that. Um, and then seeing people that do pick it up and, and start weaving more and creating new pieces so it definitely um, creates a spark with some of the people there um, to keep on practicing weaving. Definitely. And you probably keep in touch with a lot of them on Instagram a little bit. and I probably um, did not even realize it, you know. Um, there, Yeah, there's been so many classes. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm, everyone who's learned in your area, I mean, they're probably all on Instagram now. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so how do you... How with two kids? Um, mm-hmm. How do you sort of have your work life balance? What it t- can you take me through like a typical day? Yeah. So right now, um, my older daughter's in kindergarten, mm-hmm. and then we still have my younger daughter going to daycare four days a week. It would be impossible, at least for me. Like the way my brain works, I can't handle constant interruption. Yeah, hundred percent. So, there with you. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, I know there's super women that work home with their young children and more power to them. Yeah. I can't do it. I, I couldn't just, ever. No. no, I wouldn't get anything done. Like no, no I wouldn't. A, I get, no projects would get done if my no. kids were home with me. I've tried. I mean, I've tried when, when Ruby, who's my one-year-old was a baby and I was on maternity leave, I could work when she slept and she mm-hmm. slept, you know, fairly often. But then even towards the end of maternity leave, I was wearing her while I was working and it just felt really stressful to me. And I would just put it down, the work down and think, okay, I'm not going to do this when it's not comfortable. Yeah. And it's not enjoyable and it just takes all the fun out of it. It does. And then, you know, the work suffers too. Yeah. Yeah. And you see like, oh, this was a rush job. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, Monday through Thursday, both my girls are gone during the day. So as soon as they're off, then I start working and I'm really always in my Etsy orders, managing orders, looking at, you know, what's due to ship um, soonest and then working on those. And um, yeah, and you know, the combination of all the packing and um, then any other side projects that I'm doing, whether it's, you know, submitting for a blog or working on pieces for blogs or trades and all of that. Mm. Have a board that I write everything down, so I can try to keep track of all the little side projects. Um, and then in the evenings, you know, there are a lot of nights that after the girls go to bed, um, if I'm falling behind or I'm just feeling inspired because it is my passion, I really love doing it. Um, I'll probably work in the evenings too. Um, but if I don't feel like it or if I'm tired, um, then I won't. And that's yeah. kind of. The- space that I've been able to create by taking it full time. Exactly. That That's exactly the difference that it made for me um, yep. by quitting my day job and going uh, going full time with this was that I was, it was all, all working at night before. Yes. And now yep. my evenings, I might Instagram or pack yeah. an order or something, but I right. don't like, I don't make anything in the evening because I just right. am too tired by then. You know? Right. Yeah, it feels really great. I mean, before I felt the pressure that I, I had to use up that time because that was my time and I was really used to it. Mm-hmm. So um, it took me quite a quite a long time once I went full time. I had to force myself like, okay, tonight you're going to watch a movie with your husband and you're not going to have anything in your hands yeah. while you're doing it. 
Um, because I, I, I didn't even know what that felt like anymore just to sit and watch a movie and not be working. I can't um, watch. I have a really hard time finishing a movie now a days, like without looking at my phone or I like, get really bored. I know I get I, bored. Even if yeah. it's a really good, exciting movie, yeah. I'm like, oh, I could be doing something else. It's over. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm just so used to like my, my hands constantly moving and yeah, multitasking, I could probably watch a movie in the background right. and yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, you know? my, my husband kind of yells at me now. He's like, I can't even, we can't even watch a movie together anymore. <laughs> like, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned briefly like submitting to blogs. What other yeah. kind of, so do you, you all your, all your PR you do yeah. yourself, I assume. Yeah. yeah. Um, so other than submitting to blogs, what, what else would you recommend for people to do and sort of take the reins uh, to get to get more, to get themselves out there more? Well, I really do think connecting with influencers that have a following that is your customer base. You know, for me, a lot of times that influencer is contacting me saying, mm -hmm. no, I want to collaborate with you. Um, so I've been fortunate that they kind of come, hopefully it's not like a rush up because I can't keep, sometimes I have to turn people away. Um, but that has been the actually most effective way for me to find customers. Oh, that's and great. Yeah, for, to have work shared by, um, you know, people that, like, for me, it's a, a lot of people with children. You know, mm -hmm. this, a lot of my work is going into children's spaces, which I love, you know, nurseries and um, kids' rooms. And so finding other uh, people that they're sharing a lot of that content. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, just, I guess, if you're if you're trying to you know, find more people that are like-minded is like we talked about um, off camera was actually just chatting with people that seem to be into the same things as you yeah. working online. Uh, don't be afraid to comment on people's posts when you see something that's cool. Um, Cause all, ever, all those connections, they could lead you to someone else. that's like, Hey, who's this Mandy smooth hills? And they click and then they see my page and they're like, Whoa, I like that stuff, you know? Um, so keeping yourself visible. Yeah. Uh, to as many people as possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you did actually re sort of recently switch from Smooth Hills Weaving to yes. Mandy Smethels yes. um, as like as your your brand is you. Yes, um, it's me. <laughs> what uh, what made you change? What made like what prompted you to change that? Sure. So it was pretty much because I wasn't doing much weaving anymore. And I think a lot of people actually think what I'm doing is still weaving, and I want to. On a small scale, educate, I guess, about fiber art mm -hmm. and that it's not made by weaving. Um, not that there's anything wrong with someone thinks that's what I'm doing, but I didn't want it to be confusing. And also, it really was so much like my, um, what I was so passionate about, what I'm doing. And it just felt like, even though it's used as decor, it's really art to me because yeah. it's coming from, it's just, I happen to really love that kind of imagery. And that's expressing myself. So yeah. I really, um, really wanted to put myself out there as an artist. And, um, you know, it's, it's so funny is when I first started selling weavings, I felt like you had to have a brand name. I think a lot of people go through this where mm -hmm. they feel like they have to have a cool brand or company name. Um, their self is not enough. But if you're starting out and that doesn't seem right, yeah, just keep it as your name. Because <laughs> yeah. it's change later. Um, I had a website and I mean, we've just been transitioning slowly. Um, 
away from that. Smooth Hills Weaving, it's kind of funny, the name Smooth Hills. Uh, I don't ever share this, and I don't know why. It'd probably be an interesting post on Instagram. Uh, my last name is Smethels. And a long time on Instagram, when I first created my Instagram page before I was weaving or anything, uh, my username was Mandy Smethels. And I changed it to Mandy Smoothills uh, because uh, it's uh, my married name and the Smethels name is Scottish mm-hmm. and it's from an area of Scotland with smooth hills or so the legend goes. Uh-huh. So Smethels is rid of smooth hills. And I just changed it because I thought it was cute and um, kind of funny. I don't know why. Um, and then I just kept my Instagram handle. I think so, I thought for a really long time that your name was Mandy Smoothills. People that are... I was are, like, oh, maybe she's Native American. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> people from their friends forget that my last name is actually Smoothills. Yeah. And they just call me Mandy Smoothills. Uh, yeah, so it's just that derivative, the, the root of that name. And then I chose that for Smoothills Weaving. And... Now I would never change my Instagram handle like at this point. So that's my Instagram name. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh, it's so funny. Um, so what, uh, what motivates you the most these days with your business and, um, as far as like your vision for it and how has that evolved from when you first started? Yeah. So that's such a big question because in the beginning, I suppose when I first started, um, I just really was passionate about making weavings and that's what motivated me. And I wasn't that concerned about selling them. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a bonus. And then of course, now that it is my full-time gig, um, I have to keep an eye on, um, but I'm still selling work. And fortunately for me, like the things that I love to create that people love to buy. Um, and that is where I've always been working towards was, I didn't want to make a product based on what people wanted to buy. Mm-hmm. I was always hoping that I'd make a product I love to make and people wanted to buy it. Yeah. Um, and that's probably why I went through that period of time where I wasn't selling so much work because I was getting so much custom work, but the stuff I was making wasn't selling right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I needed to pause and figure that out because I didn't want to end up in a situation where I was making stuff that you know wasn't me or didn't feel right. And it doesn't bring you joy when you're making right, yeah. right, yeah. That and and you could end up, I guess, in a corner if you built a business up based on work that wasn't quite you, and doing that every day um, wouldn't that wouldn't be the dream come true. Right. And so now the, um, I guess, what motivates me is getting through all my orders, so I have those magic moments where I can think up something new. Um, but even the orders that I work on, I had someone recently asked me, how do you stay motivated when you have to recreate things over and over again? Aren't you super bored or something like that? And the answer was like so pleasing in my mind. Like when I thought about it is I'm not bored at all. And that's how I know I'm doing the right thing is that even the process, even if I'm recreating something I made before, I'm finding so much enjoyment in that process that I know I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, no, that's off. Awesome. That's like, that's the goal. You've hit the jackpot. That is the goal. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that feels like drudgery. Like even on the outside, if it looks like a dream to someone else, if it's not to you. Um, yeah. And just maintaining that excitement though. Like yeah. with anything, you get a, maybe a new job and it's going to be the coolest job ever. Um, there's always going to be parts that become drudgery. So finding ways to keep myself excited and motivated. 
And sometimes they're making goals that I know I won't be able to work on this piece for a month or two, but then it's out there in my mind and, and then I'm excited about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, with the rainbow pieces, do you get commissioned sometimes where you have the freedom to create whatever shape you want? Um, are they so usually like, I like this one, do it in these colors, please. Yeah. It's, it's more like that. Although I, I find like, again, customers, people are so savvy and that, um, if somebody is contacting me to do custom work for the most part, they're super confident in what I'm going to create for them. Yeah. So they might even, yeah, just set, send a couple of pictures, but they want it in this size approximately. Mm -hmm. Um, but then they'll also be like, but I trust you. Or I love your artistic vision. And, um, then that's always fun. And I get really excited about that. Or even if it's really, um, if it's really specific, um, and then I always have the colors approved first before I start working on it. And then I still get really excited because I'm seeing something new that I've never made before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Um, so do you, you mentioned that you had that you're working on a book. Do you have anything else that you wanted to promote? Um, not right now. I guess I've got some exciting things coming up this year, but stuff I can't talk oh, about. Oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to circle back sometime. <laughs> luckily, like, they've been, like, turning for a while, so now it's easy for me to keep the secret, but there's exciting things to come. Awesome. Um, so that's part of what keeps me motivated, too, is, like, these little nuggets of things that all happen. And yeah, stay tuned. Totally. Oh, how fun. I'm excited to see what they are. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, so with the book that you're working on, mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that project and how did it come to you? Or, um, you um, know, the illustration project? Yes, the illustration project. Yeah. Well, it was a coworker that I worked with at Room and Board. Her mom is a retired teacher. And, you know, at Room and Board, I did lots of drawings and doodles and um, I'd make like anniversary cards for everyone and draw lots of the furniture. And I mean, I just always had to be drawing, you know, and she recommended me to her mom to illustrate the book um, just because of my technical ability, I guess, with drawing. And I accepted the project because growing up, I spent a lot of time in a stream. I mean, this is, sounds weird, but like looking for insects underwater and really learning about the life cycle of caddisflies and dragonflies and may mayflies. And it just seems too tied to my past to mm -hmm. put, to turn down, even though I'm very busy. And she also had a very generous, you know, do this when you can. And so um, it's meant to be enjoyable for me too. And so I'm probably about a third of the way through the illustrations for the book. Oh, and cool. yeah, and it's just something that once I'm doing it, it's exercising those muscles that I've determined to do this year is right. to, to um, stay strong in my drawing skills. And yeah, and then once I have all my watercolors out, I find myself doing some other things for myself too, you know, rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> those kinds of things. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's definitely probably something that why add more to my plate but it's it's now that rainbows and fiber art is my full time now that's like my little side project yeah, yeah and you never know like what your side projects are going to become or where they're going to lead you to right. next you know well what really motivated me to do it was she's very determined to to get the book published the author and um you know, it's meant to be educational too. It's aimed at elementary students 
And since I have two young daughters, I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to have a book I could share with them that I made all the pictures. So it's really for them. Yeah. Um, it's great. Um, what, uh, so I think you had mentioned on your website, photography, um, Mm -hmm. has sort of become, uh, sort of a new thing for you and even capturing your pieces. What kind of camera do you use first of all? And, um, is it different from what you post on Instagram or do you, do you use all, you know, is it just your phone or what? No, um, I, I use my phone for some pictures, like to capture process images and depending on the light, you know, if it's a cloudy day or if I'm downstairs and it's not bright enough because I use all natural light, mm-hmm. um, then I, I use my um, Canon DSLR. I have a Canon uh, 5D Mark II mm-hmm. and then I use some prime lenses, um, which are really great for capturing um, natural light. Mm-hmm. So I use a couple different um, Canon prime L lenses. I've got, um, a lot of money invested in my photography equipment, but I think it's really well worth it when you're selling on the internet of the best quality photos you can manage. Not that you have to have, uh, you know, a $2,000 camera lens to do that, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't hurt. And I think it's really fun to play around with that stuff. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, I mean, that's like the, that's the meat of the interview, but, um, I have a few like little speed round questions. Um, it was probably gonna be tough for you. If you were a color, what color would you be? Pink. (laughs) Oh, really? I love pink so much. Actually, I guess that shouldn't surprise me. I was, I was thinking you were going to say like, like gold or mustard kind of thing. You'd think that, but like, yeah, pink for sure. Awesome. No, I love that. Yeah. Obviously, I love pink too. Yeah. You can see my hair. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. What is one of the things on your bucket list? Um, travel with my husband, just him and I, somewhere cool. And that might even be like an hour up in the yeah. city, but that's definitely on our list is to travel together and spend time together. I'm yeah. excited about that. That time is so precious, right? It's hard to it even is. get that time at all. It is. And so when it does happen, you almost can't believe <laughs> You can have food and no one interrupts. Yeah. I know, totally. Um, okay. If you had a time machine, what point in the past or future would you want to visit? Um, yeah, probably going back to when I worked at that summer camp. Um, it was just a perfect time, you know, no worries, like no response very little responsibilities and just spending all your time outdoors. It was really magical. I that's so cool. Oh, you yeah. want to go back into your own. That's like really nice. That's super cool. Um, how old were you when you were working there? Um, I started when I was 18 and I worked there um, until I graduated from college until I was 22. Oh, that's awesome. Those were yeah. good years. <laughs> well, yeah. Nice. Um, and, okay, I guess the last one is, what is your current favorite Instagram account? Um, it would have to be Gucci. Actually, I mentioned them earlier. I'm just really obsessed with, um, they're having a moment, like the mix of patterns and, um, you know, in my home, like I, like right now I have a one-year-old, so I have had to de-maximize a lot, but I love mixing unique patterns and textures and, and colors, um, and Gucci's doing that. So I go there, you know, when I'm feeling a little uninspired, I just go check out their feed and, yeah, take a look. It's really inspiring. That's awesome. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I am personally in like a like my all of my Instagram is I guess just interiors and fiber art. Yeah. 
And yeah. I forget to follow purely completely other industries. I mean, I guess not even that that set apart because it's still kind of like creative and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, fashion. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm totally going to f- start following Gucci now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you should. Nice. Great reco. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast. I, you know, I want to be uh, mindful of your time and everything, but it's been so awesome getting to know you more. And um, you guys go follow um, Mandy. It's, so it's still Mandy Smooth Hills, right? You're in yeah. good. <laughs> go follow Mandy Smooth Hills. Mandy with an I. Um, her work is amazing and super inspiring. So right. thank you thank so much. Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on naromastudio.com slash the fiber artist podcast. If you enjoy the fiber artist podcast, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.